Let's believe God together. Father, we come to you in the name which is higher than any other name, the name that is so sweet to our ears, the name that has brought us from death to life, that has brought us from being captives to having freedom in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for that name. We thank you for the authority in that name. We thank you for the love in that name. We thank you for the power in that name. Father, we thank you for your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we look to, your, to you today through your word and by your spirit that you'll open up the eyes of our spirits today, that you'll give us light and revelation and understanding. Father, that as we speak, we may speak as your mouthpiece. And Father, that we receive your word that you're going to speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty two, have faith in God. Verse 23, for verily I say to you that whosoever will say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and will not doubt or shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things that he says will come to pass. He'll have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. This is probably, that I'm aware of, one of the most significant, the most significant passage of Scripture concerning Jesus speaking on the subject of faith. Where he's talking about trust in the Lord, relying on the Lord, looking to the Lord. And he connects it right here with forgiveness, that faith and forgiveness go together. He said, you know, the disciples the day before, they had been passing through the area. And when they're passing through the area, he cursed the fig tree because uh, he went to get fruit from it. It didn't have any fruit. And he cursed that thing, and they all heard him curse that. Well, Jesus you know, the New Testament tells us that no man ever spoke like Jesus. A lot of people spoke. There were teachers. There were philosophers. There were religious people just like Jesus, except one major difference. Well, two major differences, really. But one that the, New, the Holy Spirit saw fit to have the New Testament writers uh, point out is that never a man spoke like him. Because he spoke as one with authority. So other people spoke. Have you ever heard somebody talk about something? And, um, you know, I was reading. <laughs> Don't laugh at me. But I was reading on uh, quantum physics <laughs> this week. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and um, I thought, man, that's so interesting. Because uh, somebody gave me a. You're not here this morning, but last week gave me this little mini book by um, Charles Caps' daughter, right? Annette is her name. And so I was reading this book, and I love physics. In fact, you know, if I wasn't a minister, I might have become a physics professor. I loved physics. Even in high school, I loved physics. And uh, in fact, I doubled up in classes. I took early morning classes, and I actually graduated early, and but even before that, because I had doubled up so many classes, I, um, uh, I had 
extra periods that I didn't, wasn't really sure what to fill with. And so uh, physics was my favorite class. So then I decided, well, I'll be a student assistant in physics. And so it's a good thing I did because uh, my favorite teacher retired. And the next year, a young whippersnapper from college had just graduated and didn't really know how to do any of the experiments, hardly. And uh, so I taught him how to, do, <laughs> how to do these experiments. And so I love physics. So, but I wouldn't, I was reading this this week and I started, so I read this little book and then I started looking at, um, looking some of the stuff up, you know, because she said in there, like, what's really interesting is, like, the electrons, if you look at physics books with electrons, you see them as like a point circling around, you know, the nucleus. And so you these little points. She said, but actually when they go to measure those, they can't measure those. When they, when they go to measure them, that's when they're in a static form or a non-moving form, and that's what they kind of draw right there. But actually that's only when they're looked at. When they're not looked at, they're like a cloud, she said. They're like all over. It's like a cloud versus a single point. I don't see this is illustrating my point, that I am not an authority in physics even though I like physics. And definitely not in quantum physics now because, you know, I'm just getting into it. But Jesus, he is the creator. And so when he speaks on something, he knows what he's talking about. So he spoke to this fig tree, and he commanded it, and it withered up, it says, from the roots. It dried up from the roots. The next day, the disciples passed by, and they said, Jesus, the fig tree you cursed is withered. And his response was Mark eleven twenty two, have faith in God. Whoever will say, believe in your heart, say with your mouth, whoever will say, he'll have whatever he says. You know, he says, command this mountain, be removed, it'll be removed, cast into the sea, doesn't doubt in his heart, but believe those things that he says will come to pass. He'll have whatever he says. So Jesus is saying, like the power of your words, your words have authority. So Jesus, there was nothing that scared him. He's going out. He's asleep on a boat in the middle of the sea, and the ship is beginning to sink. And he's still sleeping. And he wakes up and kind of like, what's all the commotion about? Why are you guys all worried, you know? And they're like, can't you see we're sinking? There's a problem. The boat's sinking. We sink. We die. And we got the Savior of the world in the boat with us. And you see how it doesn't make any logical sense even? I mean, they have the Savior of the world, God in the flesh, in the boat, and they are full of fear. How many times has that happened to a believer? Like you have the Lord actually dwelling in you, yet you're full of fear, full of anxiety. What are we going to do? What's going to happen? Well, until it got to a dire state, they didn't even look to the Lord. They waited until they're pretty much, pretty much sunk, pun intended. And then they woke up the Lord. They're like, Lord, we're dying, we're perishing. He's like, oh, you have little faith. He said, Mark eleven twenty two, 22, have faith in God. Essentially, 
He just spoke to the storm. Why? Because he understands the power of words. Not just any words, faith words. What are faith words? Words that are birthed from the Lord. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, literally the rhema of God or what God reveals to you or speaks to you. So all you need to act in faith is to hear from God. And all you need to hear from God is the word. So you basically find scriptures that cover what your situation is and then you receive those not just here but in your heart. And the second you meditate on those, you can speak to the mountain and it will move. You have authority over the mountain. The mountain doesn't have authority over you. You have authority over the mountain, but it doesn't happen automatically. Jesus told the disciples, you have, oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Another place he said, why are you full of fear? In other words, they didn't have to be. But never did a man speak like this. So they weren't accustomed to a man speaking like that as one with authority, as one that, you know, kind of calls the shots around here. So Jesus called the shots wherever he was at. This is what's going to happen. This is what's not going to happen. Have faith in God. Well, it takes faith to walk in love. It takes faith to walk in love. So the Bible says, if you're a believer, that the love of God has been poured, you know, King James, that's how I learned it, shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. I just say it's like poured to overflowing in your heart by the Spirit of God himself is the love of God. And the reason that we can even love others is because he first loved us. So what are you doing uh, being so disappointed in yourself for not loving someone if you have never let yourself be loved by him? Because then you don't know how to love. You have the love of God on the inside of you, but that doesn't mean it automatically comes out. You have Jesus in the boat, but that doesn't mean he automatically, because he is the Savior, all of a sudden you have no storms and everything's calm and everything's good. It's not automatic. You have to rely upon the Lord. You have to look to the Lord. You have to seek the Lord. And you have to speak what he has you speak. Let Really, you let him speak through you. So it takes faith to walk in love. In other words, you have to trust that what God said about the love of God being in your heart in abundance, more than enough. You have more than enough love for every situation. Love never fails. It doesn't matter what the situation is. It doesn't matter how big of a mess up you have made it because God did not make it a mess. Right? Relationships. It's really easy to mess up relationships. If you don't believe in the power of words, think of some relationships. That one second, everything is hunky-dory. And the next second, everything is flipped upside down, and you are trying to bail the water out of that ship real fast. 
because like the Navy says, loose lips sink ships. In other words, if you just let your flesh just say any old thing that you feel like saying, sometimes you do feel like saying some things that are um, uh, very rude, uh, very impatient, uh, just opposite of love, opposite of God. If you ever let the love of God dominate you or gain mastery in your life, you'll become like him. You have the nature of God on the inside of you which is the nature of love. And that nature will change every situation. There is not some situation or some relationship or some circumstance that love will fail at. The God kind of love. Natural human love will fail most of the time because natural human love is selfish love. It's saying, what's in it for me? Uh, I, want, I want what I can get out of this. How can you benefit me? That's natural human love. But the God kind of love uh, is a self-sacrificial love. The God kind of love does not look to self, but it actually looks to others. I like what Henry Drummond said. He said, Paul does not summon us to give up our rights. He said, love strikes much deeper. It would have us not even seek them at all. Ignore them. Eliminate the personal, personal element altogether from our calculation. Well, I would just say love does not calculate. Like, how can I get the advantage in this? How, how can I do this? No, love, love seeks the best of the other person. Love bears with the infirmities of the weak. And then love is not full of pride. So you may say, like, well, I don't understand why this person is acting that way. You know, we're all on the same team, and we're all working together, and we're all, you know, serving the Lord if they're believers. Well, how could they do that? Well, the beginning of the series was love thinks no evil. Love does not reckon evil or does not give an account for evil. Uh, it means to deliberate, to suppose, or to account it signifies to think upon a matter by way of taking account of its character. Love does not take account of evil. Uh, you don't have to count it up. Love actually chooses not to. Here, here's the power of love. You have the ability to count it up and to reckon it, and you choose not to. You could do that, but you don't allow it. Like, I don't allow that. You say, allow who? Allow your flesh or allow reason? Or you want to you wanna feel better about yourself? So you're just going to like count up someone else's failures. Brother Higgins said, I think the best possible way, well, at least it, it, it did vivid imagery for me. He used to say, you know, if you take and you put someone else's candle out, it does not make yours burn any brighter. But yet the flesh wants to do that all the time. Like, I'm going to take the attention off of Dave, and I'm going to put it on me. I'm going to snuff his candle out. Your flesh might feel good at doing that at the moment, but you know what? You know, it kind of makes me feel like I want to vomit on the inside. You know, my spirit's like, what are you doing? Why? Because my spirit has become one spirit with the Holy Spirit, who is love. And the Holy Spirit's not going along with that. 
He is not demeaning people. The Holy Spirit always reveals the blood of Jesus. In other words, the Holy Spirit's not going to come and like just reveal all of your sins to a bunch of people and say, you've done this, you've done that. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's uh, people's flesh. What is it Smith Wigglesworth said? Some people said they have a, the gift of discernment. And he said if they'd turn it on themselves, they'd quit using it. <laughs> In other words, I know what your sin is. I know what your little thing is. Well, they're not getting it from the Lord. Maybe from a spirit, but not the Holy Spirit. Love chooses to release other people from perfection. Love chooses to release other people from perfection. In other words, you don't have to be perfect. They don't have to be perfect. Like, uh, I always kind of count it up and say, you know what? Uh, because sometimes you'll see things or experience things, and um, you're kind of like, um, well... I can't believe they did that. <laughs> I can't believe they acted like that. I can't believe they said that. You're just like, you're shocked. And, um, but I kind of say, well, I never would have done that. That's how my flesh says that. But I've learned to understand, you know what? I might never have done that, although now I'm old enough to know I could have done that. <laughs> But when I started this, I said, well, I, I probably never would have done that, but there's other things I would do that they probably wouldn't do. In other words, I, I'm weak in areas probably where they're strong and vice versa. So I just say, well, even though they messed up in that, uh, I mess up in some other totally opposite area, so it's not like I'm better than them. In other words, I don't allow that attitude to come in because that attitude of self-righteousness and pride actually stops the grace of God in my life. And not only does it stop the grace of God, but it causes God himself to resist you. The Bible says he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. But I don't know about you, but I would assume you don't want God resisting you. I don't want God resisting me. It seems like you got enough trouble with the devil trying to resist you. You got enough trouble with uh, people trying to resist, you know, uh, when you're just trying to do uh, what you feel led to do or what you believe is right, that you don't need the Lord himself resisting you, but you actually need grace in your life in usable form. So we just stay humble. Love thinks the best and puts the best possible construction on a situation. In other words, well, you know, I know they did this, but they didn't mean it to come out that way. Or even if they did mean it to come out that way, they're probably just exhausted. Maybe they're not feeling well. In other words, love is thinking the best. Love is trying to find the excuse for them, not trying to corner them and take excuse away. Love makes every possible avenue of entreaty that you're like, Oh, you know, there is a way. I, I know you, and I know that's not how you are. I, I, you know, and I might not know you that well, but I know that you're a child of God. You're a brother or sister in the Lord, and so your heart is to serve the Lord, and I'm sure you just don't even understand what you're doing. You ever done that? Like, 
I, I've been in situations where I thought one thing was, uh, I thought the situation was exactly this way, and I found out I was exactly wrong. You know, I'm thankful for those times. They're not pleasant at the moment, but I'm very thankful for them because without those times, I guess I'd just get full of pride. You know, you just think like, you know, I don't have uh, any troubles. I don't have anything. That's why it's hard for rich people uh, that are rich before they're born again to get into the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, because they are so reliant upon their own selves and the money that they have. It's nothing really to do with the money. Like money doesn't keep you out unless money holds you. Like if your trust is in riches. Paul told Timothy, uh, command them that are rich in this world not to put their trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us nothing to enjoy. No, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. So God is... God wants you financially blessed, and God wants you physically blessed, and God wants you spiritually blessed. Every part of your being, He wants blessed. He's not trying to steal from you. He's actually trying to supply you. He's not trying to hurt you. He's trying to help you. Uh, but if you don't know the truth, you won't be set free. You'll know the truth, the truth will set you free. All right, next one. Even though uh, you can envy Love refuses to think evil. You could envy. Envy is, uh, you know, I think we talked about it a few weeks ago. Envy is not only saying, like, I want what you have, but I despise the fact that you have it. You don't deserve that. You, of all, of all people, how do they deserve that? <laughs> Love does not envy. Seeks not its own. You have the right to, um, but love won't. It's like the quote we just read from Drummond. In other words, you have the right to have this or to do this, but love doesn't even seek the things that it owns, that it's own. Love says, no, I'm seeking, I'm seeking other people's good. Jesus had almighty power and glory, and he laid it aside because of love. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Love seeks the best. For the other person but the way that we walk in love is through faith so we believe what love says we believe what the word says concerning love that's why we have those little books I think I put mine down but uh, you know first Corinthians 13 4 through 8 what do you do how do you how do you walk in love well you meditate on those scriptures and you act like the, that is how you love even if you don't feel like it especially if you don't feel like it that's the, that's the most fun you'll have in life. You know what? I have not jumped out of an airplane yet with a parachute, but I would love to. That'd be such a thrill. But you know what? I get almost more of a thrill walking in love when I don't want to. You know what I'm saying? Like people are trying to get all these thrills on their flesh. Let me tell you, walk in love when uh, you really just want to hit somebody. I was not, I didn't grow up like a fighter, physical fighter. One of my sons is a physical fighter. Whew! And my two younger brothers were. They would they'd fight all the time. And um, my mom didn't know what to do when they got to be teenagers because they were bigger than her. And, they, you know, they're good kids, but they're just fighting. They're kids. And so uh, one time she said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get them to stop fighting. So she threw a glass of water on them. 
And boy, they didn't, didn't phase them anything. They just kept going, kept fighting, kept punching. You know, she didn't know what to do. But um, sometimes you feel like hitting people, even if you're not the type that would hit somebody, you know. And uh, your flesh gets riled up. And, uh, or you want to say something. Or you just want to, you know, I'm trying to hit all, all um, maybe you can help me hit all personalities. <laughs> some people, some people just want to like, um, you know, ignore you. And like uh, Brother Hagen, uh, when he was young, he said, uh, you know, he was, had three incurable diseases and was bed fast, uh, you know, for like a year and a half. And he was kind of a weakling growing up, really skinny kid. Everybody picked on him and, uh, try, and would beat him up. And uh, so, you know, it kind of affects you. Well, so he, he would, uh, couldn't win the fight right there, but he would get even. So he said, I would uh, climb up on top of the building and get a brick and wait till they walked by and hit him in the head with a brick and run away so they couldn't see because he, he would lose the fight. And he'd tell all these things he used to do. And he said, aren't you glad I got born again? <laughs> like, yes. Yes, we are. But, you know, he didn't have the physical ability. So uh, after he was born again, he saw one of his relatives walking down the street in the town. And they did something to spite him. And so what the other thing he would do is he would just mark them off his list and say, I'm never going to talk to you again. I'm never talking to you again. So he saw him walking down the street in a little town. And... They're on his side of the street, so he leaves his side of the street and goes to the other side of the street so he doesn't have to meet them. And when he went to the other side of the street, the Holy Spirit on the inside of him, with his spirit, through his spirit, said, what are you doing? You love them. He said, oh, I do, don't I? So instead of going to the other side, he stayed on the same side of the street. He went up to him, and he said, you know, I love you. Can I pray for you? And they said, they, he said, he says, love never fails. Because they'd always just be real spiteful before. He said they fell on their knees, started crying, and said, yes, please pray for me. You know I need it. Love never fails. But he said, if I was going by the flesh, I'd have just stayed on the other side of the street. I'd have left them marked off my list. I wouldn't talk to them again. Well, you, you, you have to manage your flesh, really dominate your flesh. You don't allow that in your flesh. You say, no flesh. I, Paul said, I keep my body under. I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. So, yeah, it's going to feel real good. Maybe you're married, and uh, you're, so you know, you're uh, living in the same house with your husband or wife, and you're having difficulty, challenges, and you're like, but I just have to tell my side. I, no, love doesn't do that. Love will tell its side, but love will defer to the other person first. In other words, if somebody doesn't act in love first, nobody's going to act in love because we're both waiting on you to walk in love. So you be the bigger person and just act in love. But you don't act in love and then say, see, you should have done that first. <laughs> all right, nobody, nobody like raise your hand. We just all, we know we've all been there. But love never fails. 
So love will look and see the situation that someone's in and they're failing and they're messing up and love will reach out a hand to lift them up and help them and aid them. Give them the benefit of the doubt and say, you know what? Let me, let me come. Uh, I'm going to help. Is there anything I can do for you? Is there anything I can show you? Love never fails. Love is, love is so awesome. Uh, behold the goodness and the severity of God. Well, God is love. So look at love. Love is so tender, so precious, yet so firm and so bold. Comprende? In other words, love is discerning. Colossians says love is discerning, or Philippians rather. Philippians chapter 1. Love is discerning. So, uh, because whenever I teach on love, you typically, most of the time, you'll have uh, at least one person in, in, the, in the crowd that uh, uh, kind of gets the impression that love is just soft and a pushover. And that love just lets people run all over it. And love, no, 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 no. We're talking about the very thoughts and intents of your heart. Uh, I told somebody recently, to illustrate this, I told someone, I said, uh, they're having some difficulties with the individual, and I said, uh, you know, what you maybe should do is you should approach this in a scientific way. In other words, take all emotion out of this, and you just say, okay, here's the situation, here is what we had agreed upon, and uh, here's, here's what you were supposed to do, and here's what you did. But I said, you don't have any animosity, any ill will like Jesus said uh, in Mark eleven twenty six, 26, um, you know, 25 rather, and when you stand praying, forgive if you have ought against any. So any little thing. You can't allow that ought to be there, that any little thing, the little bit of, uh, you know, if you think about someone right now, and there's a little bit of, eh, oh, you need to like give that to the Lord because uh, you're walking in unforgiveness and your faith won't work. So you may say, like, why is all this other stuff happening? Uh, why is the devil stealing from me? I'm a tither. I'm a giver. Uh, but you're not walking in love. Any step out of love is a step into sin in the territory where the devil has access to you. But the devil does not have access to the believer who walks in love. It's pretty awesome. Unless you want to keep gratifying your flesh. <laughs> you know, like, well, I'm just not going to do it. But, and so, you know, you just take the, the, the motives of your heart and you judge the motives of your heart. And you say, like, you may have a business transaction. I know some people in here own businesses. When you have a business, well, you have certain things that you have to do. And there's certain things, uh, uh, ground rules, and for your business to be successful, people need to pull the weight that you've hired them to pull. They need to do what you have uh, hired them to do. And you say, well, like, how do I walk in love? I had a guy working for me one time. He said, you know, uh, I said, how is so-and-so doing? It was a coworker. They both, uh, I was both their bosses, and they worked together and so on a project. And I was asking about this particular project because I had had some issues with one employee. And uh, I said, hey, how, how's he doing? He said, well, I don't want to, like... Uh, I want to walk in love, so I'm not going to tell you. And I said, well, I was, it was when I was on staff at that very large church. And I said, well, 
So what you're telling me is, I said, number one, I, I am the boss and I'm asking you directly. I'm not asking you to find out what somebody else said. I said, I'm asking firsthand information as your boss and his boss. And I said, number two, what you're telling me is, you're saying it's walking in love to not say what this person is actually doing, and yet this product that you're putting out is affecting 7,000 people, so you're going to not walk in love with 7,000 people, to walk in love with one person is what you're calling it. Well, I never saw it that way. And I said, well, it is that way, right? So then, you know, we had a conversation. But what's the point? Well, he should not come to me, even if I ask, and say, yeah, you know what he did. He, he is a an idiot, and he did such and such, you know, or even just say, yeah, you know, he did this and this, you know, like a condescending tone, or he's given a little bit of attitude in the information. So you can still do, and you should do, you have responsibility uh, to your company, to your employees, uh, those type of things, but you can do it in love and still give the facts. It's not your fault that someone messed up. Love covers a multitude of sins, but you, you love is discerning. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. I always have to add that in because sometimes people um, will feel like, therefore, if I'm going to walk in love, that means I'm just going to let people do whatever they want to to me. No, walking in love is how your heart's motive and your heart's intent, what is it? Is it yielded to the Lord? Or is it trying to just get value through your interactions with other people or how you can dominate other people or how you can get attention because you're going to make people feel sorry for you because just poor me, poor me, poor me. The love of God never fails. And the love of God, Galatians chapter 5, faith works by what? Love. So the way that your faith will work is when you walk in love. And so walking in love, if somebody's really irritating you in a, in a business transaction or a deal or something like that, then walking in love for you is not uh, refusing to deal with the business transaction and just saying, you know, I'm just going to take the hit for this. It could be that sometimes if you know in your heart that's what it is. But walking in love most of the time in that situation is refusing to have animosity towards the person because the second that you have animosity and you encounter that other relationship, whether it's a work relationship or a personal relationship, and you allow, allow that attitude of animosity to be there, that thing almost always explodes. And it becomes, it becomes a big mess. So Jesus said, have faith in God. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have any little thing against anyone that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you. Our love walk doesn't just affect other people, but it affects our own life. God is love. And when we walk in love, we walk in God. Stand with me if you would. I like how E.W. Kenyon said, self-preservation is the first law of selfishness, 
but the preservation of others is the first law of love. Self-preservation is the first law of selfishness. Self-preservation, in other words, he's saying you're trying to preserve yourself first. You're trying to protect yourself first. You're trying to look after yourself first. But he said the preservation of others or looking, putting others first. How can I protect them? How can I help them? How can I make up their weakness or their deficiency? How can I buoy them up? You which are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, lest you also be tempted. Galatians 6, 1 and 2. My brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness. doesn't say, uh, if you see someone overtaken in a fault, go and tell everybody. Let everybody know. Or go and tell them, like, you know, you're, you really messed up. <laughs> Most of the time, they're more aware of their mess up than what you are. And they don't need you, you uh, joining in with uh, words the devil's already putting in their minds, you know, that you're a mess up. They need someone to come along and say, say, alongside and say, you know what, I've messed up sometimes too. And uh, you know what, it seems rough now, but you're going to come through this. We're going to pray. The Lord's going to move. And you've got more than enough of God in you for this situation to completely turn around. God on the scene will change hearts. His word will change minds. His power will change bodies. God is good all the time. He's a God of love and he gave us his love so that we don't have to be full of hate. There's a lot of hate in the world right now. A lot of people stirring up hate very hateful to the opposing political party, very hateful to other races, just a lot of hate. The devil wants to divide and conquer. He wants to destroy, steal, kill, and destroy. But we are people of God, therefore we're people of love. So we walk in love and let the Lord show up in the situations. Jesus actually said that if you hate someone, it's basically the same as murdering them. You're held account the same as murdering them. Well, that's because that's where murder comes from. It comes from hatred. And so, uh, but we are people of love, and we walk in love, and the kind of love that we walk in will not fail, cannot fail, does not fail. In my own life, uh, I remember the first time I got a little bit of light on that scripture that love never fails, 1 Corinthians 13, 8, love never fails. When I started to get some light on that, I thought, I don't know if that can be true, but it's in the Bible, so uh, I'm going to do it. And so I did it, and uh, as I'm doing it, I'm thinking, in my mind, I'm thinking, this is not going to work. This is a relationship problem. That can't apply to a relationship problem because this person has just decided they're just hardening their heart. But I said, no, I'm going to walk in love because uh, love never fails. So I would actually say that out loud to myself, not real loud, but I'm like, well, love never fails. So I'm doing this because love never fails. Do you know what? In less than a day and a half, the person completely changed. The relationship was restored because I had tried to do, you know, in my own power what I could do. But I thought, I'm just going to walk in love. And it changed like that. Day and a half. Just changed. 
the love of God will tenderize the toughest meat. So, like Jesus instructed his disciples, you may say, well, yeah, I can see in some situations that's amazing that love could conquer that, but I don't know in this situation. Well, that's like the disciples looking at the fig tree dried up from the roots. Jesus says, have faith in God. So I say what Jesus said, have faith in God. There is no situation. And in fact, if you've got a relationship problem and, um, you know, you don't know what to do, and you may have even tried to walk in love uh, for a period of time, but you just got out of it. If that's you, have faith in God. Let God do what only he can do. He does miracles. And when you're in the midst of a relationship problem like that, a situation like that, there is nothing sweeter than watching God himself get involved in that relationship and it will flourish and the sweetness of the flourishing will be so precious because what was impossible with man is possible with God. Don't ever give up on people. God doesn't give up on them. I just say, you know, I plead the blood of Jesus over them. Meaning that everything that Jesus did in his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross, the benefits of his life given up for you and for me and for every human being, that those benefits show up in that relationship for that person. That the favor that Jesus bought and paid for, the life and the nature of God that he bought and paid for on the cross through his death, burial, and then his resurrection and ascension, that that be in their life. That's what, when you plead the blood of Jesus, that's what you're doing. You're saying everything that he was, everything that he is, the life is in the blood. And so when you plead the blood, and like I say, I, I plead the blood over so-and-so. I don't just haphazardly, it's not just like a, 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 um, something I say, a religious word, or, oh, you're supposed to say this. What's the formula you're supposed to use? What's the chant? We don't do chants anyhow. No, I'm serious. I plead the blood of Jesus. So I just plead the blood of Jesus, not because I don't love you, I love you. I plead the blood of Jesus over every single one of you, over every single relationship that you're in, over every single relationship that's coming your way, over every single relationship that has been uh, 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 a struggle and has been full of trouble. I plead the blood of Jesus that what Jesus accomplished on the cross through his death, his burial, and his resurrection show up in your relationships this very week in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. Thank you that you loved us. Father, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice right now. Father, that right now as we're listening or those that are listening later, Father, that your love that you have poured into our hearts, Father, that you would help every one of us to allow that love to dominate us in every part of our life. Father, that we, as we rely upon you and rely upon your love, that we see your life flourish in our relationships, on our jobs, at our homes, at our places of business, with our family, with our friends, with those we don't even know. Father, that we are able to be used of you because we're on your territory of love. I thank you that you have loved us, and I pray that you would open the eyes of our understanding to get a greater revelation of your love for us 
towards us and in us. In the name of Jesus, amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that means that you've never been acquainted with love, real true love, love that doesn't judge you, love that isn't um, thinking bad things about you, but love that made a provision. When you pass from this earth, you'll go one of two places. You'll go to heaven or you'll go to hell. And the way you get to heaven is not by doing good things or by being a good person. The way that you get to heaven is by receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. And when that happens, you are made a brand new creature, recreated in Jesus Christ. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's not automatic. As many as received Him, to them He gave the right to be the children of God. God loves you, made a plan for you. He may have even moved in your life. You may have seen supernatural things happen in your life. That doesn't save you. What saves you is believing in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. In other words, I receive Jesus as my Lord. And I believe God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. It's not through things you do. Once you're saved, your nature changes and you want to do good things. So if you're here this morning, you'd like to receive Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. Every head bowed and every eye closed right now. Just slip up your hand. I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you. God loves you. He has a plan for you. He has a place for you. He has an anointing that he wants to release in your life. Number two, if you're here this morning and you were a believer and you just got distracted in life and frustrated, let other things come in, just decided I'm just going to like uh, flesh out, so to speak, and you'd like to come back and rededicate yourself to the Lord this morning, come back to Jesus slip up your hand. I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you. And number three, if you're born again but you've never been filled with the Spirit and you'd like to be. Uh, after you're born again, there, the Bible talks about and Jesus spoke about it that uh, wait until you be filled with power from on high. You be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. When you get filled with the Spirit, first thing, initial sign is you begin to speak in another language that the Lord gives you that you didn't learn. Uh, your, your tongue is just so fully yielded, you're so fully yielded that um, you begin to speak words that He gives you. If you'd like to be filled with the Spirit this morning, just slip up your hand. I want to pray with you, and I want to pray for you. Glory to God. With every head bowed, every eye closed, anyone on any three of those invitations, just slip up your hand. I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. Don't wait another minute. Now is the time to get right with the Lord. Now is the time to check the condition of your heart and allow Him to do something in your heart only He could do. Bring freedom, bring strength, allow His joy to well up within you. Hallelujah. Anybody on any of those invitations? All right, Father, thank You so much. Thank You for saving us, setting us free, translating us, taking us out of darkness, putting us into light. 
Thank you for your love, that we get to walk in love and that we can trust you for it. We trust you for the ability. We act like we love others because we really do. And then it comes to pass and it even amazes us sometimes. Father, we thank you. I pray this week as we go that you, Father, will quicken this message to our spirits, that we won't let a moment go by where we realize we got out of love, but what we get right back in love and we allow your spirit to minister and help others through us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. Don't forget, Wednesday night, 7.30 p.m. right here. If you can make it, invite some friends, invite um, some enemies, and walk in love. God bless you.